My name is Darcy, and there's not a lot of Darcys in the world, and I actually love that. Does anybody else here have kind of a unique name? Do you like having a unique name? Do you ever get annoyed when you go to one of those souvenir shops and your name is never on the keychain, right? It's never on the keychain. Because my parents decided to spell my, la my name with an I-E at the end instead of a Y. But they did that to match the I-E in my maiden name, which is, are you ready for this? Demon. You can laugh. It's okay. I'm content in myself. But my previous last name was Demon. Not spelled the way you're thinking, but it was definitely pronounced that way. And I love it because whenever I say it in church, everybody's like, do we laugh at that? Is it okay to laugh in church? Y'all, it's okay. We can make fun of my last name together. I've grown. I've matured in it. But there were some times growing up where I would try to not say my last name because of the awkwardness. Like when I was new to some of somebody's youth group, if a friend took me along to a youth group and they were introducing me to the youth pastor and they'd want to know my name. But here's the thing. In a small town, they always want to know your last name because they might know your brother or your cousin or your neighbor. And so they want to know what family you're from. And so they'd say, oh, you're new. What's your name? I'm like, hi, I'm Darcy. And they're like, Darcy what? I'm like, Darcy Demon. And then they make that face that a youth pastor makes that has all of the pity and horror with a not so genuine, oh, that's nice. That's real nice. <laughs> but I didn't mind. It was part of my identity. We were the demon family. And me and my siblings, we were the demon children. And when we would all fill up one of those old wooden church pews at our Presbyterian church, the minister would say, we got a whole row of demons in the house today, y'all. So it was a good time. But let me tell you the funniest story. See, when I was in middle school, we moved house. We used to live on a farm. And then we moved to this small town into this historic home. And so this was a home that many people knew about. It had a lot of history. And they knew that we were the family moving into this old Shelton home. And so once we moved in, my mom wanted to go introduce herself to some of the neighbors, get to know the people in the community. And there, there was this little fruit stand down the road where everybody sold their local crops. And so my mom went to the fruit stand to introduce herself and we found out that it's actually run by a blind woman. So when my mom went into the fruit stand, the woman knew that somebody was there but couldn't see her. And so my mom just introduces herself straight away. She goes, hi, I'm Cindy Demon. We just moved into the old Shelton home. And the lady thought she said, I've seen a demon. No, I'm Cindy Demon. And so she said to my mom, she goes, now listen here. We've had many prayer groups in that old home, and there is not a single demon left there. And my mom was like, well, six of us just moved in. Um, <laughs> but then five years ago, Frosty took the demon out of me when he married me. <laughs> okay, last demon joke. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Um, <laughs> but he married me, and I became Mrs. Darcy Frost. And I want to speak to you about the power of a name. See, we're in this series called Into the New, and I, the message I have for you today is called New Name. So if you are a note taker, I want you to write that in big, bold letters at the top, new name. You can find notes on our app or a little paper copy at the info desk if that's your style. But we started off this series with a new thing, 
And then we unpacked what it meant to have a new season and step into that. And then last week, Pastor Mike Griffiths had many of us in tears as we talked about a new expectation, right? And the blessing that a father can bring. And so today I want us to go on this journey together as we discover what it means to have a new name. You know, Dale Carnegie is an incredible author and thought leader, and he said a person's name to him or her is the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Think about it. it it's true because a person's name is a part of their identity. It's what they answer to. It's what they've grown up with, and it's what they're going to take with them into the rest of their life. When someone hears their name being called, immediately they feel known. But there's just one problem with this. You see, we don't just answer to the name we were given at birth. We answer to a lot of other names, names that we have somehow allowed to work their way into the tapestry of our identity, names that we were never meant to submit to, yet these names now hold power over you. See, this is what you got to realize is what you answer to has authority over you. What you answer to has authority over you. See, the name that you answer to actually has this power on you. Now, how? Well, whenever that name is spoken, immediately it demands your attention, right? It requests your engagement. It makes that whatever's coming after that name seem personal. See, think about it. If I'm in a room and somebody shouts out, Darcy, immediately they've got my attention, They've requested my engagement in that conversation. And this all makes perfect sense until you realize that you're not just answering to that name. See, some people in this room might hear a certain word like rejected, and they're like, yep, that's me. And they immediately gauge in that conversation. Others hear lonely, oh, yep, what were you saying about me? They immediately engage in that conversation. Others hear unworthy or unloved or abandoned or too far gone, and they turn their attention to this name that holds some kind of authority over them. What you answer to has authority over you. You know who knew this was a young man named Daniel. In the Bible, we read about him, and Daniel and three of his mates, they're all God's boys, they entered into a new job, training at the king's palace. And the palace was not so godly. And immediately upon entering the king's service, they are stripped of their Israelite identity, and they're given new names. From the first moment they step in, they're told, you're not Daniel, you are Belteshazzar. Like, first of all, that's a real complicated nickname, like Belteshazzar. You know, usually when people give a new name, it's a shortened version. But he's like, not Daniel, Belteshazzar. They're stripped of their identity. From the first moment, their identity is being attacked. But Daniel had predecided to stand firm in the knowledge of who he was as God's boy. And he didn't degrade himself for this new job. He didn't lower his standards for this new position. He wasn't going to lose his identity for it. It didn't matter what his boss called him, Belteshazzar. He still knew that he was Daniel. And he was God's son. And so much so that we don't read the book of Belteshazzar today. We read the book of Daniel, right? He held firm. And God promoted him for that and gave him strength upon strength. But too many people end up entering into a worldly, uh, let's say a worldly job. This is what Daniel was doing. Or they, they enter into a worldly classroom. And they're told a lot of names that they just start to accept as true in order to be accepted by the group. Or in order to feel connected and in order to be successful. See, so often in this world we hear things like, you aren't special. You're replaceable. You're not chosen. You are so easily forgotten. 
You aren't worthy. You're a piece of rubbish. You're not a child of God. You don't even know who you are. So often we hear these things in this world and we start to believe it to be true. And we don't realize that these names that we're answering to are starting to hold authority over us. You know, all throughout the Bible, names had incredible significance. Names said something very intentional about a person's character or about the situation they were born into. You know, even some of the most popular biblical names we see today, a lot of those names have been passed down today because of what they mean, because of what they stand for. But I can tell you a few names in the Bible that have probably not been passed down, right? There's this name in the Bible that we read about, and I bet you you've never met a kid today called Loruhama. You might be thinking, I don't even know what that means, Darcy, but Loruhama sounds pretty, right? It sounds beautiful, but there's actually this this meaning behind this name. See, Loruhama is in the book of Hosea, and Hosea's marriage with this woman named Gomer is a symbol of God's relationship with the nation of Israel at this time. And Loruhama is their second child, but first daughter. And her name means not loved. Not loved. Like, imagine you're growing up and you're thinking, my name's real cute, Loruhama. That sounds beautiful. And then you're like, Mom, what does my name mean? She's like, not loved. That's not an exciting name to have. And then they have another kid, a boy, and they are asked to name him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. So this is the name that they're growing up with. God was illustrating how Israel was behaving in a way that would suggest that they were not his people or that they weren't loved by an almighty God. Their behavior didn't recognize their true identity. The people of God were being promiscuous with the world, but God always has a plan to restore our true identity. He always has a plan to restore our true name and our true value. In fact, in the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, God is saying, the Israelites will be like sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. And in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved ones. See, lo ruhama became just ruhama, which means my loved ones. Lo ami became ami, which means my people. See, God always has a plan to restore your true identity. You see, it doesn't matter what your parents spoke over you as a child. It doesn't matter what your colleagues might have to say about you. It doesn't matter what those bullies at school once called you. If it's not from God, it's not your name. If it's not from God, it is not your name. But God is in the business of sometimes giving people a new name. And there's many famous people in the Bible that we read about, but we don't actually understand the significance of the name change. See, you might have heard about a man named Abraham. Maybe you've sang a song, Father Abraham. That's all I'm doing, not going on. (laughs) But Abram, that was his original name, and that means exalted father. That's, That's a good meaning, right? You know, exalted father. But at the age of 99 years old, God said, you are no longer Abram. You are Abraham, meaning father of many nations. He was renamed this at a time when his wife was infertile. She was 90 years old. She was past the point of thinking that she would ever have a kid. But in the same conversation, God renamed her. He said, you are no longer Sarai, meaning princess, but you are now Sarah, my princess. And she got pregnant with a son at the age of 90. 
Simon was one of the disciples of Jesus, but Jesus renamed him Peter. Simon means he has heard, but Peter means the rock. And so in this moment, Jesus was declaring over this disciple saying, you have heard the truth of the gospel, and now on this rock, I will build my church. See, in every single instance, there was this prophetic declaration with the new name from God representing a new vision for their life and a new role that he was asking them to play in the kingdom. You know, as last week we had an incredible uh, message from Pastor Mike. Did y'all enjoy that? That was absolutely incredible. But he unpacked how not only does God give a blessing, but fathers in the faith can give a blessing too. Fathers in the faith can champion those that are younger than them and help them step into purpose. Let me tell you about two men in the Bible who were renamed by godly leaders in their life. See, maybe you've heard of a man named Ben-Oni. But as a child, his, his mother named him Ben-Oni, meaning son of my trouble. That was his name. But the father stepped in and said, no, 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 that's not his name. His name shall be Benjamin, son of my right hand. See, in this moment, a father stepped in to rename his son, to declare over him that he was the son of my right hand. Another young man named Hosea. Hosea meant salvation. But Moses, a godly leader, stepped in and renamed Hosea to Joshua. Many of y'all know about Joshua. Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. See, this name would continually remind this young leader that Yahweh would be his salvation in every battle, not by any strength of his own. All of these names were prophetic declarations over who these men grew up to be. And last week, many fathers in the faith stood up the front and prayed for people that never really got a blessing from their father, that maybe grew up thinking they were unwanted or unloved. And, and maybe today, at the end of the service, when our ministry team is up the front, maybe some of you as well need to stand up here and have a father in the faith declare over you the names that God has for you. Because if it's not from God, it's not your name. Not only can God give new names, and godly leaders can give new names. But also, when you become a Christian, you get to step into a new identity. And your new identity comes with some new names. When you receive that salvation, see, believers can boldly claim a new name as they step into a new season of their life. And you got to realize this. Your name is what you claim. Write that down. Your name is what you claim. When people talk about the most famous Christian leaders of all time, they often mention a guy named Paul, right? Have you heard of Paul? The Apostle Paul, written majority of the New Testament. But Paul, we often mistakenly believe that it was God who renamed him. He was first Saul. Because we hear about these renamings from Abram to Abraham, we think, well, God must have just renamed him from Saul to Paul. But if you actually look at the text, Paul just decided to go by a new name. It was Paul's decision. See, we first are introduced to Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee. Saul was his Hebrew name, and it meant asked for or prayed for. It was a name associated with somebody of high stature, usually associated with a king or somebody of royalty. It was a name that highlighted his importance and, let's be real, inflated his ego. This was a name that was associated with his life as a Pharisee. So he chose to go by his other name, which is Paul, and that's his Roman name. What does Paul mean? It means small or humble. 
See, after encountering Jesus and having this radical encounter with Jesus, and he starts to preach the gospel, and he knows that God has called him and has sent him, and he's discovered the truth, he decides to humble himself before God, to lay down his pride, to lay down his ego, to lay down his societal importance and adopt a new identity that spoke of his smallness and his humility. People were afraid of Saul, who was the murderer of Christians, but lives were changed, hearts were transformed, bodies were healed when they listened to the messages of Paul, the leader of Christians. See, here's the powerful thing that Paul recognized. He, he knew that his Hebrew name, Saul, was what he had originally claimed. But he knew that he could claim something new because he no longer wanted to be associated with his past, with Saul of Tarsus, the murderer of Christians. That was no longer what he was going to answer to. And so he adopted a new identity and he said, I am now Paul. That is my Roman name. It is a name that daily reminded him to be humble and sit down. A name that didn't invoke fear in the hearts of believers and a name that has now gone down in history. He said, I don't want to be associated with my past self, and I'm stepping into a new identity because God has got more for me in this season. What name do you claim? Are you continuing to claim the negative names that were spoken over your life? Are you continuing to claim unworthy or unloved, rubbish, too far gone, addict? Or can you, like Paul, realize that you actually have the power of choice? You have the power of choice in your hands. When you become a Christian, you get some new names. Don't believe me? Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, it tells you that you are chosen. In Ephesians 2.10, it tells you that you are God's workmanship. In John 8.36, it tells you that you are free from your past. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells you that you are brand new. In Romans 5.8, it tells you that you are greatly loved. And y'all, that is just scratching the surface of what God has for you. He's got so much more for you if you would just dig in and say, God, who am I? What is my name? But you've got to understand this. This is important. It will take some time to recognize and respond to these new names. It will. It might not change your identity fully overnight, but it's going to take some time to fully embrace everything that God has for you. In fact, there was this study published in 1995 that studied 42 different families of different ethnicities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and it studied the words that were spoken in the home when the child was in the first three years of their life. And they discovered some powerful things about this. See, not only did they discover the impact that words in the home had on a child's vocabulary as they grew into an adult, but also they discovered this powerful correlation, meaning this connection between the types of words spoken early and its impact on the child's sense of purpose and identity later on in life as a 10-year-old and as a 15-year-old, and further on into adulthood. See, they found that the more encouraging things that were spoken in the home over that child in the early years, the fewer problems they had with purpose and identity later in life. This is powerful. For those that grew up in a negative environment, though, and received more discouragement than encouragement, it was going to take them a whole lot longer, watch this, if they received just negative words, just discouragement, and their encouragement tank was quite low, it was going to take them longer as an adult to equalize that experience. 
to actually believe that they were somebody of significance, that, to believe that they were important because this was so out of weight. It was going to take them some time to counteract the negativity that they had become accustomed to. So what does this mean? It means that if you grew up answering to all of these negative names on your life, then it might take you just a little bit longer to fully embrace what God is trying to say over you today because you don't yet believe it, because you, maybe you've never heard it, but it's not impossible. It's just going to take a little bit more time to counteract the negative culture that you have submitted yourself to for however old you are. If this is the first time that you are ever hearing that you are loved and that you are chosen, guess what? You might not be able to fully embrace that today because that's the first time you're hearing it. But I'm telling you, God has more for you and he's going to come alongside you and keep whispering in your ear to remind you until you're able to counteract that culture and fully embrace it yourself. You know, when I first married Adam Frost and became Mrs. Darcy Frost, my whole identity did not change overnight. Has anybody ever had to go through the process of changing their name? It's complicated, y'all. They don't fully warn you for this, but I, it took me years to change my identity on public documents. You see, for years, I still booked plane tickets under Darcy Demon because that was what was in my passport. Was I Darcy Frost? Yes, but I still had a documents telling me I was Darcy Demon too. So I, I was both. And not only did I have to change my name in one country, I had to change my name in two countries. On two different driver's licenses. On my passport, on my email, on memberships, on loyalty programs, on pretty much everything that ever had my name in my life. It, I had to change it on everything. And y'all, it took me years. And guess what? I discovered the other day that I still have a couple cards in my wallet, and they both work, but they have different names on them. <laughs> and I've been married for over five years. And Frosty even asked me the other day, he said, if somebody would say to you, Darcy Demon, would you answer to it? Would that be weird? And I was like, no, it's not weird. Like, I'd still answer to it because I was Darcy Demon for 24 years up until I became Darcy Frosty. 24 years versus five years as a Frost. I'm still counteracting that culture, right? And here's the thing. Get this. If somebody says demon, I know it's somebody from my past. And I just got to reintroduce myself. See, if somebody says to you rejected, perhaps it's somebody from your past. And you just got to reintroduce yourself. If somebody says to you broken, it's somebody from your past. And you just got to reintroduce yourself. So let me reintroduce myself to you. See, I, I grew up thinking that my name Darcy meant dark one, which doesn't make sense because I'm blonde. And so I grew up thinking I was a dark one demon. Um, okay, that was the final joke about that. But I recently discovered that Darcy can also mean from the fortress. See, this, this new name with this new season was ushered in, and so I am Darcy. Someone from the fortress, the walled refuge of God Almighty. See, my middle name is Michelle, which tells you that I am close to God. And the last name is now Frost, which means that I am unflinching in times of battle. It's nice to re-meet you. But there's one more thing you should know, and the band can come join me now. See, my name is submitted to a much higher name. My name is submitted to a much higher name. And the thing about me is I am unashamedly Team Jesus. And what you need to know 
is that when you step into this new season of your life with this new name, you got to be prepared for the enemy to attack your identity. Be prepared for the enemy to attack your identity. See, I'm so thankful that when I go into different battles of life, I'm not playing some solo sport where I'm all on my own because, let's be real, I suck at tennis. I'm not good at that game at all. I'm not on my own. I'm actually on a team. And the team I represent is Jesus. We've all got matching jerseys, but we've got our names written across the back along with the names of everything that God has spoken over us, chosen, child of God, free, brand new. That's who we are. My name is submitted to the most powerful name, the name of Jesus. And this is a name that the enemy recognizes. And he recognizes believers who boldly walk in the power of this name. Let me tell you about what happened in the book of Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 13. See, there was this group of people that started saying, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. They were speaking to this evil spirit that was possessing somebody. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were, were doing this, and they were trying to command this evil spirit to come out. And one day, the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Like imagine you're trying to step out in the power of God, but they're saying in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the spirit is like, yeah, I know Jesus, clearly. Like, that's God. And I know Paul because he walks boldly in the name of God and he is a threat to darkness. But then the spirit was like, but who are you? Who are you? He was trying to attack the identity of these new believers with a little bit of shaky faith, some Jews that weren't yet as confident as Paul. The enemy wants to attack your identity. And he wants to discourage you, discourage your efforts to become more like God. Because if you just look at this world today, you can see how the devil is taunting this world with the same question that he asked then. But who are you? Who are you? Who are you really? It's the same question. See, if he can confuse your identity, he can keep you on the bench. If he can get you to doubt your name, he can keep you off God's team. The enemy even tried to test Jesus. The enemy tried to test God himself in Matthew chapter 4 by saying, if you really are the son of God, right? That's an attack on identity. If you really are, like if you really are a child of God, if you really are chosen, that's what the enemy is going about, to, to attack your identity and to make you doubt how good you actually are. See, church, we need to be a people that boldly claim the name of Jesus, a church that knows what we answer to, a church that knows what name we are submitted to. And when the enemy wants to remind you of your past, you just remind him of his future. When, when the enemy wants to bring up your old self and these old names, you need to boldly say, hey, let me reintroduce myself. My name is Darcy Michelle Frost. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the King. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who God says I am. We've got to believe it. We've got to declare it. We've got to sing it because the enemy's going to come at you and say, who are you? Who are you?
Are you a child of God? I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Who are you? You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. Yes, I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free. Are you free? Oh, it's free church that the enemy is afraid of. That's a church where the enemy recognizes your name. And I don't want the enemy to go, who is Elam Papakura? No, the enemy is going to know who we are. The enemy is going to know that this is a place that is filled with boldness, that is filled with faith. We are submitted to the name above all other names. And so church, would you lift your hands as I pray?